Welcome to the City Hill Podcast. We really hope you enjoy today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about City Hill, please visit our website, cityhill.london. Great. Okay, so it's our first ever Discipleship Sunday. So we're going to go through a few different parts of the Bible, but then we're going to think how it relates to a few different things. So sometimes when we do this, it'll be extremely different to what we're doing today. The reason for that is the series is humility, and humility isn't necessarily an action. It's more a driver and the intentionality behind something. So it's not really as simple as to say, well, do this, do X, do Y, do Z, and then you've ticked the box, because actually it's your heart attitude. It's the reason for why you're doing it. It's the mentality behind it. It's just a bit more complicated. So we're going to look at... I'm going to throw up a few different scriptures that I want us to keep in mind, go on a little bit of a journey, and then we'll look at a very, very, very simple question, some things for us to jot down, and then to work through and see how we we action them. The first thing I want to do is I want to kick off from where we were talking about last week. I think it's really helpful when we talked about um, Isaiah chapter 5 and the previous chapter, how he's doing shots out, pointing at everyone, woe to you who do this, woe to you who do that. But then he encounters God for himself in the temple. It says the stitching of the garment filled the temple. He encounters God's glory and he says, woe is me, I am undone. And straight away in that moment, as he says, woe is me, I am undone. He has this transformation in this moment. And then God is going to send him on a journey for his calling and everything that he has for him. But it starts with this moment of encountering God's glory and Isaiah having an absolute shift of humility. Because when you encounter God's glory, you don't stand there and turn your nose up at God. When God's glory comes in the Bible, people fall face down. Sometimes when they encounter an angel that's just been in the presence of God, they wish they were dead or they fall to the ground as if they're dead. And then they start having these visions and these encounters. So when you encounter God's glory, it always humbles you. You don't encounter God's glory and come out of it gassed. You don't come out of it feeling like, oh yeah, smashed it, nailed it. You don't feel any of these things. You feel completely humbled. You wish you were dead. You wish you were dead. You want to die. You don't want to exist anymore because you are that kind of level of an encounter. Now Isaiah says straight away, woe is me. I am undone. A man of unclean lips among a people of unclean lips. The angel comes, takes this hot tongue from the fire. I joked about it last week. We're not going to burn anyone today. Don't worry about that. So comes along, puts it on the lips and he says, behold, this has taken away your iniquity. And then he hears the voice of the Lord saying, who will go for us? And Isaiah's response is, send me. So he's had an, a moment of realizing his complete inadequacy. And in a moment of realizing his inadequacy, even in his gifting, because you notice he says, I'm a man of unclean lips amongst the people of unclean lips. Well, he's a prophet. His job is to speak. <laughs> and his lips are unclean. That's what happens. Your best bit. That's not Isaiah's worst bit. That's his best function. His best function is unclean and sinful. Like, not his worst one. This isn't him going like, oh, here's your bad bits on Big Brother. This is like, here's your best bits. And then he comes to the end of the reel and he's like, oh, snap. I am unclean in the best area of my life. Isaiah, um, I think it was Isaiah also, goes on to talk about his righteousness. This is how much an encounter, a real, real dynamic encounter of God leads you to. Isaiah talked about his righteousness, the good things he's done, and he compared it to a used... Um, tampon or menstrual rag that's what he compares it to that's his righteousness that's not his bad stuff his righteousness and I, I know I think the ladies here will say no, no one's kept any ever 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 no one has it on the mantelpiece behold my righteousness no one does that it's, it's a disgusting thing that gets thrown away 
And Isaiah is saying, that is me on a good day. That is me, hashtag winning. He has that kind of an encounter. Then I want to skip to Matthew 3. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit to the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. This hit me so hard. We are talking about someone who is the embodiment of God in flesh and blood. And when he is at his weakest, when he is tempted, his mentality is to highlight God's word, but to have the mentality and the attitude of going, it's not the bread that sustains me, it's what he says that sustains me. It's his word that sustains me. And that really hit me this week because I started to think about, I take all my meals. I don't skip my meals. Well, I skip breakfast, I lie. I don't like breakfast. But then I'll have a snack on the way to work. I shouldn't, but you know, that's how I do it. I don't skip lunch. No way. I can't do my job if I skip my lunch. Dinner. I'm finished if I don't have my dinner. I'm absolutely done. Like, I would fall apart. Hangry wouldn't even be close to what I would do if I didn't have one of those meals. I would fall apart. My whole world. I'd have the worst day. Um, Jodie would have a mare because she'd want me out of the house. My kids would hate me. Everyone. It'd just be an absolute disaster. Here, Jesus is saying, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that comes out of the mouth of God. How often do I take something that I believe, whether I take it literally and just go, purely the scripture or something that God has spoken to me calling wise how often have I lived off that how often have I been fed off of that that's humility that's humility that the defining thing that sustains you as a person isn't what you think isn't what you experience and isn't what you say it's completely what God says what God is going to say about me is what's going to sustain me in this season what God is going to say about me is going to keep me in a wilderness when there's no food what God is going to say to me is going to keep me going through the whole of my life Jesus has some next level humility he has some next level humility he talks about the first being last and he talks about doing things to the least of these and how we treat the least of these these are kind of radical points his, understand, his, his disciples had been with him for three years. It's coming to the end of his time with them. And they're all arguing about who is the greatest? Who is the best? Who's number one? And Jesus keeps on disagreeing so firmly and strongly with them. The first shall be last. Who wants to be the greatest? Be the least. He talks about the servant. And he talks about people that are priority And he talks about the least of these. So often he highlights the least of these, the least of these. You and I, we we live in a culture that highlights the VIP. Highlights the VIP, that's the way the culture is. Jesus flips it on his head the other way around. He spends his time with sinners, which in his culture you wouldn't spend time with, you would avoid. And he spends his time with the poor and the marginalized and those on the fringes. All of these things... Like, it's not easy to do those things. It's very difficult to do those things and to live a life for God. It's incredibly difficult. But the key for Jesus is he's, he's being sustained by what he eats, but more than anything, he's being sustained by what God has said and what God's call is and what God's word is for his life. Now, you and I, we're never, we're never and I don't, I don't mean to say this in a discouraging way, we're never going to be on Jesus' level when it comes to these things. But when we look at this 
and we hear and we know what area of our life is our calling and is our vocation, like you have to have humility with that. Whatever the call of God is upon your life, you have to hold it with humility, not pride. Pride will rob you of your calling. Pride will destroy your calling. Pride will mean you never enter into your calling. Pride will keep you far, far, far from it. You think it won't, you think it will advance it, but it never advances it. Let me, let me think of it this way. Comparison kills. Comparison kills. So often, like, I mean, we all love a good scroll on, on, on Instagram. And actually, maybe you follow people who are in a similar field to you. Maybe as a photographer, you check out some photography channels. Do you ever scroll through, see some shot someone's done and be like, oh my gosh, I could never do that. And it actually demoralise you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, you've had it. <laughs> If you're a footballer and you want to be a footballer and you're growing up and then you watch Mo Salah's goal against City or Watford. I mean, that's, that's dis- if you were the player that had to defend him, I mean, even more discouraging. Everyone's watching it non-stop viral. It's discouraging. Like, if you want to do the whole preaching gig and then you watch someone like, I don't know, Steve Furtick, um, Michael Todd, T.D. Jakes, someone like this, you're just going to be like, I, I couldn't be that. I couldn't, I couldn't, God never has asked you to be that. He's asked them to be that. And maybe, maybe you, do, you do poetry, maybe you do media, maybe you, you've got a brand. Just want to say. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> no other beard creams exist. City Hill, we do it wrong. <laughs> no, they do, but we love it. So I'm just saying, like, you could look at another brand and see what they're doing, the access they have to supermarket shelves and all these different things, and the access and the levels that they get. You could be greatly discouraged in any field, in anything you're going for, in anything you want to achieve in life. You can be discouraged looking at someone else instead of being sustained by what God is saying to you in who you are, in what you're trying to do, inside what you're trying to achieve. You see, you've got to love the call you have, not the call you wish you had. Everyone looks at someone else and wishes that, if I had that, then I would do this. No, you have what you have, and God's going to do something amazing with it. The little boy with Jesus and with the disciples who's got his packed lunch and how it feeds. <laughs> yeah, no, not Noah. Unless Noah has got a packed lunch with him. <laughs> Go out on the common and feed everyone in the rain. So there's like the 5,000 that get fed because a boy had his packed lunch, but when he hears the need, he's like, well, I've got this, and he makes it available. You'll never experience what God has for your calling until you make what you have available. But you can only do that when you hear what God is saying to you and you believe it. And that's why during this course of this series, humility, what we've been saying is the most important thing about humility is not believing what you think about yourself, not believing what someone else says about yourself. You need to daily believe and feed off what he says about you. I would really like to encourage you this week that maybe there's a few Bible verses that make very strong promises and statements about you and about life and about us as Christians. Maybe pick your own ones together and then you could just pick a line. You can make your own quote from each of those verses and that could be the thing you say in the mirror in the morning to yourself that keeps you grounded, that keeps you on track. There's an exercise that I want us to do today that I think would be really good. If you've got your notebook, cool. If you haven't, you want to grab another one, you can always grab another one. Don't worry about it. We've, I've got more that I'll bring in and replenish. Um, I want us to do one thing. You see, humility, humility is a tricky one. Because if I said to you about what area of your life would you want humility in, or if there's an action or an event coming up, 
we would probably all pick a big event or a big moment in our lives uh, and want humility in, in the big thing. Today, I don't want anyone here, anyone here, you are 100% barred, not allowed to pick a big moment in your life, a big dream or anything. What I want you to do is I want you to list five daily actions or behaviors, five. Five of your daily actions, they're dailies. You see, if you want humility to permeate your life, you can't think about the big things you do. You've got to think about the small things you do. Like about a year ago, I hated more than anything in this world um, washing my kids, either in the morning or at night. I hated it. Absolutely hated it. I just saw it as something that's in the way of what I need to do. I can't remember exactly when, whether it was six months ago or nine months ago. I think it may have been a little bit longer than that. I had an encounter with God about it and I realized this wasn't a thing I do. This is the main thing I do. Any habit, any encounter, any moment where I'm building an environment or an attitude or a mentality in my kids, that is the most important thing I do. So now I don't, I don't try to duck it. I always used to try and duck it. I'd always try and get out of it and have Jody do it. Humility was a, a game changer for me in a small habit. And then it changes so many things that allows me to experience my family life in a much more happy way. I want you to list five small things you do every day. Five small things. When you have got your five small behaviors, so don't feel locked to them. So whatever five you list, if you list five right now, and then as I say the next part of the exercise, you want to change one of them, cool, change one. I don't really care. It's not that kind of a, it's not that kind of a list. You've got flexibility with this. Flexitarian and all that. What I want you to do after that is I want you to ask the question, what do these five behaviors individually look like if I approach them with humility? And humility you can define all different types of ways. And ultimately, I've said that humility is fundamentally believing who, what God says about you. And, and that's absolutely true. And that will serve as a good anchor. But in this, I want you to think of the task as being bigger than you. I want you to think of the task as being more sacred than you. It's not. You're, you're God's child. But it helps you get a perspective of humility. And when you think of something you're doing is so sacred and so important and that it's such a big thing, even when it's a small daily thing you do, it can really cause a shift, a shift that we all desperately need. So often we crave the opportunity to show our greatest talent to the biggest people so that we could feel a greater sense of approval when actually Jesus' script is completely the other way around. Or the one way it does work where it does still work that way around is it says do all things unto the Lord. And that is a game changer. That is a game changer. When you think of I am doing this for the Lord I am serving this child at my school for the Lord. I am serving this, per- this boss that sucks for the Lord. I am fulfilling this contract that is so tedious, not for them, but for the Lord. I'm doing my, the homework with my kids, which is like walking on broken glass, but I'm doing it for the Lord.
and, and, and does it look different? Does any of your five things look a little bit different when you, when you put humility on it? Because there's going to be a challenge for this week. And the challenge for this week is going to be, maybe you need to set an alarm on your phone and call it the humility challenge. So when you wake up, you remember this moment. Like with an iPhone, it's easy to name your alarm. Just name your alarm. It's your normal wake up alarm, but rename it to humility challenge. And then you'll remember and you'll think, oh snap. Or if there's, or if one of the tasks you have, or if all five of the tasks, all five might be a bit much, but if there's one of the tasks there that you really think, oh my days, if I do this with humility, it'll be really, really significantly different and look so much different than what I normally do. If that happens on a particular time of day, set a reminder and put the humility challenge for them. And then when you approach it, because you see, if you want humility to permeate every area of your life, like someone standing at the front talking about it, it's not going to cut it. Waiting for one of the big moments and the big opportunities in your life, it's not going to cut it either because if you, you're not going to build a habit or a mentality or an attitude to life or a worldview. You're not going to build it by just waiting for the one, like if you're an accountant for the tax returns. That happens once a year. Right? That's not going to change you. That's not going to change me. We're not going to experience anything. But if there's dailies that you can get a hold of, if there are dailies you can worship the Lord in that are so small, so minor, and allow them to change. Dr. Claude Thomas once said to me, small tweaks will take you to great peaks. Everyone always thinks, oh, we do this huge, big change. Everything will change. But sometimes it's such a tiny tweak. And the next thing you know, you'll be taking in life from a different vantage point. While you do that, I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to keep it short and sweet for today because actually the most important thing from today, the scriptures we've looked at are the anchor. They set the scene. They frame the photograph. But the photograph is what you and I take this week and make out of these five daily actions. So I'm just going to pray and invite the Holy Spirit to be with us, not just for now, for a moment, but for a week and for a lifetime. Father God, I thank you for the daily things we do. So often, Lord, we are excited about the biggest things that we do in life. Sometimes we're excited about the huge changes we want to experience. Sometimes we're excited, God, about the things that other people would appreciate. But actually, God, there are small daily things that we do that can really bring us closer to you. There are small daily things that we can do can be such beautiful acts of worship. There can be small daily things that we do that actually serve to take us closer to our goal, closer to what you have for us than we ever knew possible. Father, I pray over every single person here and those that listen online as well, Lord, that as they list out these five things, as they seek to approach them with a renewed sense of urgency, of humility, they would encounter your presence and they would encounter a change in attitude. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, guys, next week we start a new series. Our new series is going to be called Sojourner. The reason for that is we've been following a trajectory. We've gone with bad breath, the whole thing of being delivered, the whole thing of living in the house, uh, being the house that Jesus lives in, leading us to a place of humility because Jesus, if Jesus doesn't have access to all the rooms in the house, if we don't have that humility that gives them that room to move, we never live the Christian life to its fullest. But then the last part is there, there is this detachment that happens. There is the sojourner in the Bible. 
and it's someone who takes up like a temporary residence in a place, um, living a life with the true context that Jesus is Lord, that his kingdom reigns, that we're a part of his kingdom, and that actually we are not British citizens, those of us that are. If we're citizens somewhere else, we're citizens somewhere else, but none of those things actually matter. We're kingdom citizens. We're passing through. This isn't our home. And actually the shift that takes place from humility causes us to live a life where actually here in this location, this isn't my home. This isn't where I'm from. This isn't what's going to define me. This isn't going to define my behaviors and shape me, but I'm going to be shaped by something greater. So next week we'll be starting that new series and we'll be doing that throughout the month of November. And we'll have some cool giveaways we'll be promoting over the course of that time as well. Have a great week, guys. We really hope you enjoyed today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about City Hill, please visit our website, cityhill.london. We are the life, we are the